Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. Welcome to the Ignite Healthcare Marketing Podcast. We have a special episode for you today. Uh, my name is Ashley Petrachenko. I head up Cardinals brand marketing team. I'm planning for Alex today, and I'm joined by Cardinals SVP of Media and Analytics, Rich Britt. We're here to discuss the recent FCC Better Health and GoodRx complaints, what that actually means, and how to, it impacts digital advertising in the healthcare industry. And the Rich is going to share a few recommendations that will help you remain compliant. So, Rich, welcome. Hi, Ashley. How's it going? Hi. Hi, Rich. It's going great. Yeah, so I think there's been a little bit of anxiety and concern in the healthcare marketing world right now. People aren't really sure what this means, and they're not sure if they're violating HIPAA and sharing protected information. So I kind of first wanted to set the stage and dig into like what happened with BetterHelp and GoodRx to kind of um, have a baseline here. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to start there because this has been part of a trend that has been brewing for a while now. Essentially what happened in the most recent case in the most high profile, the biggest settlement was BetterHelp recently, which was a, an $8 million settlement that was paid out because of an FTC ruling. The FTC found that BetterHelp was not compliant because essentially they were utilizing patient data to build lookalike audiences to find similar patients on social media advertising profiles. And they were also remarketing to lapsed patients. So people who had been getting treatment with BetterHelp and then had, had seized treatment, and they were using that patient data to then essentially try and re-engage them and reactivate those patients. And they were doing this across both social platforms, but also for, across some display platforms. And essentially, you know, what the FTC, I think, really took umbrage with was the fact that BetterHelp had said explicitly on a number of occasions when you were signing up to become a BetterHelp patient that they would not leverage your data for anything outside of the standard, just communication between you and the doctor or you and the provider, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that even the provider would not be given your, your real email address. So then to find out that uh, they'd actually been uploading all of these email addresses up into Facebook and into display platforms like Critio. Obviously, that was uh, a sort of a huge. It, that was that was completely misleading in terms of the claims that they made when patients were signing up to become part of the BetterHelp network. So it wasn't just what they were sharing; it was their privacy policies and the agreements that they were putting forth when people signed up with the apps. Yeah, exactly right, and and sort of misleading patients on how their data would be leveraged by BetterHelp, essentially. Right. So I think there's, there's kind of two parts to the issue with BetterHelp. It, it was what they were doing, but then how they were representing what they would do with your data. That was the issue. And BetterHelp has claimed that this is sort of standard advertising practice, that everybody utilizes their own customer list, their own patient data to create lookalikes and sends this data into Facebook and, and whichever other platforms they utilize, build custom audiences, and that remarketing is is perfectly acceptable behavior in terms of, um, you know, all advertisers do it, everybody does it in the digital world. So that that was their defense, but but they did agree to, you know, settle with the FTC and, and make the payment. But yeah, it's part of a larger trend. Obviously, GoodRx was also a pretty high profile case where they were doing the same, the same thing using, you know, patient data to target people more effectively via social media. And then, you know, other clients or other companies like 
Cerebral just came out that they were also utilizing this practice as well. Unfortunately, I think what's happened is as Facebook and certainly Facebook in, in light of the Cambridge Analytica piece has restricted the amount of third-party audiences that are available for targeting, advertisers have relied more and more heavily on first-party audiences, which in this case is their existing patient base. And so you now have the situation where advertisers are spending millions off the back of this patient data that they're using primarily for the majority of their targeting. So how can people still reach these audiences if they want to, if they're not allowed to use their first party data and the demographic audiences are shrinking on these platforms? How can you still reach them on the platforms that they use most? Yeah. So I think a couple of things to consider here is firstly, what is a HIPAA violation, right? And and obviously there's been recent updates to what is deemed a HIPAA violation by HHS. But in a nutshell, it's essentially where you're combining personal identifiable information. So that's going to be things like name, IP address, phone number, email with health information on that user, right? And that can be explicit health information that they've given you, like I'm submitting a form that I, and I'm interested in this service or I have this condition, or it can be implied health information where a user goes and visits a specific condition page. So maybe they are on a page about, you know, ADHD, and then it can be presumed that that user has ADHD, right? Because then why else would they be on that page? And so it's the confluence of those two things, like knowing something about that could identify that user, what potentially their condition could be, but then also sending that data to a non-HIPAA compliant destination. And this is the big issue with Google Ads, Facebook Ads, or any social platform for that matter, and and even Google Analytics, is that there aren't BAAs that you can put in place with these platforms. So they are essentially deemed to be a non-HIPAA compliant destination. And what a lot of these platforms have done historically is they're essentially sucking up all this data about users as they come to your website and start browsing around. And in the case of something like Google Analytics, you're permitted, even if it's not actively going out and seeking out data that might be personally identifiable, you are permitted to send data to Google Analytics that would be personally identifiable. So there is nothing to stop you from sending an IP address, as an example, into Google Analytics. And so essentially then what you could have in Google Analytics is the combination of somebody's IP address, where potentially you could identify who that person is, or a device ID, which is even more specific to that person, and the, the pages of the website that they visited. So you can, you can, from that data, you can infer what their health condition might be. And so those two things together is, is, uh, would be considered a HIPAA violation. So in order to get around that, essentially what you, you need to do to be completely safe is to use a third-party technology solution that sits in between your data and these platforms that you can have a BAA agreement with. And on our side, there's there's a company that that we're looking into uh, for our clients. It's a it's a customer data platform, a CDP called FreshPaint, and FreshPaint specializes in healthcare and specializes in this sort of data governance compliance layer, whereby our clients have a BAA agreement with FreshPaint, 
And then essentially how FreshBain works is it will sort of house your, your patient data in a warm garden and it will send only certain bits of information to the advertising platform or to the analytics platform to make sure that there's that you're, you are in compliance with HIPAA. So in the case of Google Analytics, it can ensure that you send data on the browsing behavior, which is what you really need Google Analytics for. So, you know, that's the stuff like which pages did they go to where you could infer potentially what their health condition is, but it will ensure that you never send anything that is personally identifiable about that user. On the flip side with the advertising, you can send personally identifiable information back to Facebook or to these display platforms so they know who you are. But what what this CDP can do is it can restrict which pages you went to and make sure that that data is not sent back into the ad platforms. So by essentially bifurcating those two groups of data that need to be combined to lead to a HIPAA infringement or a HIPAA violation, you're protecting yourself whereby you can still utilize the same advertising practices that you did before, but you're limiting the types of data that these platforms can see so that they're not putting the whole picture together, which would, would, like I said, end up constituting a violation of the HIPAA. So that, that's one route that you can go down is, is deploying a technology layer that will essentially protect you. Obviously, another route that you can go down is you can look at your advertising practices right now. You can review those and you can say, which of these do we think might not be HIPAA compliant? So certainly things like, utilizing patient lists for lookalike audiences or retargeting on a lapsed patient list, as is the case that BetterHelp did, those would definitely not be HIPAA compliant. If you were doing pixel-based retargeting against anonymized users, where you are doing sort of a general retargeting, where you're not doing like a condition-based messaging, like, hey, we think you've got this condition, so this is why we're the solution, that may be deemed to be HIPAA compliant, right? Because you're not leveraging any healthcare data on that user right, to target them specifically for advertising purposes. So again, I think you're going to have to have a good compliance team here who can help you navigate these waters or an expert on HIPAA and, and, and advertising who can, who can help you, you stay compliant. But I would say the focus should be that if you are unsure, I would steer clear from it in, in the moment. And if you feel like this is going to create a material disadvantage in terms of your advertising effectiveness, then at that point, you should be looking for a technology solution that can help you remain compliant and keep the avenues that you were previously using open for reaching the right consumer. As a first step, if people are feeling concerned right now, kind of take a pause, audit their existing landscape, see what they currently have running campaigns that may be questionable, pause, kind of take a look at everything to make sure that they're not using any customer lists, old customer lists, take a look at what kind of pixel tracking they're doing on their website. Maybe is there any kind of tracking technologies that they are okay to keep in place or things that they want to just immediately eliminate? Is that something maybe you can speak to a little bit there in terms of like auditing and looking for like things that might be a concern if they're trying to kind of just assess where they're at? Yeah, I mean, that, that that's a really difficult question to answer, right? Because there's so many pixels out there and trying to gain understanding of exactly what data points each pixel is collecting is, is very difficult to know because it's not, unfortunately, we just don't have insight into all the data that Google or Facebook, as an example, are gathering in that session when that pixel fires. So it, it's hard to know exactly 
what data is being collected, I think that's the benefit of, of a CDP solution like FreshPaint, where you can actively opt into the data that you are sending to the pixel, which is, I think is is the key piece of their solution, right? Is by default, you know, you're not sending any data to that pixel, but then you can activate certain parameters that you are willing to send that will allow you to remain in compliance, but also get some effectiveness out of the, the data that's being sent to the ad platform so that you can leverage it as, as a channel. I, I would say... The main thing, though, is the first place that I would start in terms of vetting everything is making sure that you are not uploading existing patient lists into any of these platforms and that you are not doing anything with that, right? So Mm -hmm. you're not building lookalike audiences and you are not remarketing based off that patient list. That would be the first place that I would go through everything and just ensure that that is not happening because we know from the judgments that unless you have actively sought consent from your patient base to use their data in that way, we know that that's a violation. So that would be the first place that I would start. In terms of trying to understand, you know, data being used by the pixels, I think that's going to be more difficult. From the judgments that I've looked at, it doesn't seem that the FTC is is particularly taking umbrage with sort of standard pixel data collection. That's not to say that they won't start to look at companies with advertising practices that are based just around data that's gathered by the pixel. I'm not saying that that's not going to come along, but it seems more about the use of lists that really seems to be the issue right now. So, you know, to be extra safe, yeah, you're going to want to look at that technology solution that, you know, helps you gate what data goes back to the pixels. But I think for now, it's more around what are you doing with your patient lists and that data and and how are you sharing them with ad platforms? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, that's the first thing that people are concerned about with right now. And then if they really want to continue marketing to existing patients or past patients, they need to look at some kind of solution, CDP solution, if they want to continue. And I think probably, like you mentioned, involving their legal counsel, and running things by with them and collaborating on what kind of policy disclaimers that they are having and how they collect information and how they use it would probably be another good step in terms of doing their due diligence here. What is your recommendations for healthcare groups who are trying to reach uh, prospective patients? How do they go about building these audiences and, and targeting them on social display advertising? How can they reach them now without using customer lists, without yeah. using marketing? So if you want to engage with effectively with prospective patients and you can't use first party patient lists anymore. You know, one way that you can do that right is through what we call a full funnel strategy. And so essentially what that means is you would utilize sort of broad targeted video campaigns at the top of the funnel, right? Just to let them know about your business, drive some awareness. And you might use like a 15 to 30 second video clips to just explain the business to those consumers, build a little bit of brand rapport, convey your value props, your, your, your USPs. And then essentially what's going to happen is you can track what percentage of users view a certain percentage of more of that video. And then you can remarket to those video engages based on who has consumed that video content. Now, you don't know anything about these people. They haven't even been to your website yet. Chances are. But you know that they're interested in your solution. 
right? So the, you don't have any personally identifiable information about these folks, right? They just liked your video enough to watch it for 15 seconds. Just liked your video enough to watch it. So they, that is a perfectly safe audience to retarget because you, you don't know anything about them other than that they were interested in your video. And then that way, once you retarget to them in the middle of the funnel, you can then drive them to the website and then potentially, again, you know, you have to think about this with your own compliance team, but you could then, re- once they've been to the website, you know, you could then remarket to them to try and drive them back for a conversion for a lead. Or if you feel like that step is now essentially going to put you in a place where maybe you're not being compliant, you can essentially use the video re-engager audience as your bottom of the funnel conversion audience and essentially just try and drive those guys to the website to drive a conversion. So essentially you've got an audience that you know is compliant because you, all you've done is serve a video to them and they've consumed some of that video. And then you're trying to drive them to the site to convert, which you know should have no issues in terms of remaining compliant. You can deploy that tactic both on social and through display. You know, we use certain DSPs where you can run video campaigns and then again, you know the exposure of that video. And then you can market to people who have who have consumed a certain percentage. Yeah, I think that's a, a completely valid tactic that you can utilize potentially while your compliance team is, is is figuring out whether or not you can you can do other things in terms of site site wide remarketing and while you're looking at potential technology solutions that could that can help you circumnavigate some of these compliance issues. And Rich, that initial audience that you're building, that's all based on demographic information that you know about your ideal patient that you're trying to reach location, age, gender, all of that is where your starting audience is. And then from there, you're just engaging the people who are most interested and pushing them down to a conversion on your site. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Great. That sounds like a great interim solution while trying to figure out how to go forward with different technologies to make sure that there's no violation of HIPAA. Do you think it's the people, non-healthcare marketers moving into the healthcare space that is leading to some of these issues? Because you were mentioned, like we use email lists for all of our advertising targeting. I buy lists from Zoom Info. And we, so I'm just thinking like, these are common practices, like you mentioned in the rest of the world, like rest of the digital marketing yeah. world, people get caught like customer lists and they market to them. That's best practice. Everyone knows to do that. That's what you're supposed to do. And then you move into the healthcare world and there's growing scrutiny and concern of sharing like protected information. Do you think that's kind of like where some of this, these breaches and like under like misunderstanding of how data is being used is happening? I think a lot of it is stemming from the fact, like especially in the behavioral health space, I, I think there's a lot of advertisers in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like like it's become a lot more compared to like five years ago, you've got so many advertisers, the market has become so fragmented you've got companies spending millions on paid social and i just think it's become more and more of a you can't ignore it anymore and and if you read the better help complaint one of the major things that the ftc called out is that the person who was in charge of the social campaigns was like an intern but they had an intern of knowing what's right or wrong they're just doing yeah they, they had an intern who was running it who had no compliance training yeah. who was just doing whatever they wanted. And so this was the gripe, you know, it's like, it's the wild west out there. Like no one is, the people who are making the advertising decisions are not trained, are not hipper. To your point, they don't know that these things are not what they should be doing. They have no concept of how, and I don't think they are maliciously doing these things. 
they're just not trained to know you can't do that with patient data. If they're untrained, they don't know better, they're following recommended practices that they read on, you know, other people's blogs, like, sure, I'll do that. And they don't really understand that it's actually not okay in the healthcare world and that they're going to be putting their company at risk. So there needs to be a lot more training, both internally from a compliance standpoint, and it sounds like working with a partner that actually understands the nuances of healthcare and what you can and can't share so to make sure that you're not at risk. Yeah, I think if you're a major advertiser, and you're spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, especially if you're doing that on social media, you should look into a technology solution, right? Because the chances are that is a sort of vital part of your marketing mix. And if your options are lose, <laughs> lose that or, you know, spend a bit of money to, to make it compliant, then I think the latter option is definitely the better option, right? Yeah, for sure definitely the way to go. Thank you for sharing these recommendations. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out. We're happy to help you guide you through this process. Rich is always available to share a little bit of information here. So this is a constantly evolving situation. So, you know, as of when we know more, I'm sure we'll be doing follow-up podcasts where we, where we discuss different solutions um, and different ways to stay compliant. Great. Thanks, Rich. Looking forward to sharing more information on this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.